What I've been trying to do in the last two years or so is to uh, understand what's unique about the Australian Labour Party, if anything. From the outside, it always looked like a very interesting case. With me today are Adrian Pabst, Professor of Politics at the University of Kent. So my research is really about contemporary politics and constructive alternatives to uh, economic liberalism. And Adrian will be talking with Chantal Ogilvie-Ellis. You know, I believe that, that, that people ought to live in cities that enable them to flourish and live justly and that are sustainable. And, and also that I think that people have the capacity and often the anger to be part of creating those cities and not just the subjects. Who is an organiser with the Sydney Alliance, an urban grassroots political coalition that brings trade unions, religious organisations and community groups together to build power at the grassroots and fight for a fair and sustainable city. I'm Rosie Hancock from the Sydney Policy Lab. And I'm Dallas Rogers from City Road Podcast. And today we're handing the City Road Studios over to Rosie, who's talking with Adrian and Chantel about the theory and practice of political action in cities. I think that they bring a really different perspective on the same problem. So Adrian is a theorist, he spent his life in the university. Chantel is out there on the ground trying to put all of that kind of theory into practice. So they have these, these really great perspectives. Chantal's got that really practical experience and Adrian has the, the book smarts. I don't think you can understand politics unless you see it in action because it is that practice or activity I, I mentioned. It's not a, a pure object of, of theoretical abstraction. It's not like studying the universe or the human body or or, or you know, an ancient culture. And at the same time, I think with doing politics without some theoretical reflection, without some abstraction and some concepts may also just end up being too self-referential, introspective, where you actually don't step outside of it and think, well, how can we do this differently perhaps? Mm-hmm. You know, once you're in a very polarized politics, say like we are at the moment, and you just accept the terms of debate, then you're unlikely to break that vicious circle. Adrian, in your new book, you argue that left politics has alienated some traditional supporters of social democracy. Could you tell us who you think these alienated supporters are and how the left has alienated them? Yeah, I I think that's a common problem for many centre-left parties uh, in in Western countries and beyond. You see a sort of fracturing of the alliance that was never perfect and there's no golden age to look back to between the sort of, if you like, the industrial working class on the one hand, and the more sort of uh, liberal, professional middle class, you know, on the other hand. I mean, that's very much part of the post-war consensus. And of course, that post-war consensus has uh, been in crisis and indeed disappeared for for some time. So this is, I don't think, a new problem. In fact, the British academic and former uh, Labour member of the, the UK Parliament, David Markin, called this the progressive dilemma. The progressive dilemma is the difficulty that left and centre-left political groups and parties have in building a unified constituency because you have the middle class who who are economically comfortable and have these 
classically progressive social values. So they're all about equality and fighting for marginalised groups and those are the, and environmental things. That's what really matters. You've got these two constituent parts of the left, the working class and the middle class, and they don't exactly want the same thing. But then you also have the more traditional working class base and they are much more concerned with economic redistribution. And typically, although this is a generalisation, of course, are more socially conservative. And bringing those two groups together is a challenge. So, you know, there's always going to be a, a trade-off and, and, and tension and conflict. And I think we just have to be clear that it's both an old problem, but now I think it takes on a slightly new form. I think a really interesting example that's really relevant to Australia at the moment is the fight over coal. Because you have working class communities in rural parts of Australia for whom transitioning away from coal has serious economic consequences. And then you have middle class environmentalists for whom it's absolutely essential for the survival of our society that we transition away and that we do it as quickly as possible. And finding a way to respond to the really genuine existential concerns of both those groups at the same time is a dilemma. If we are going to have a majority left politics, then it needs to be able to build those new cross-cultural and cross-class alliances again. And I'm not sure any centre-left party at the moment is doing that very well. And I think that's partly why they're losing elections, partly why they're not in power. That's why they can't improve the lives of those who desperately need it. I think one of the challenges in building the kind of politics that you're talking about, Adrian, which is the kind of politics I think that, that we as an alliance are, are aiming to build, is simply the fact of the geography of a city like Sydney and the way in which socioeconomics and culture tends to segregate. You know, so I used to joke, I grew up in southern Sydney, that you know, um, it was so hard to get around our city you know, on public transport that, you know, you never really went anywhere other than your suburb in the city until you're old enough to have enough prejudices about other places that you never went because you didn't want to. Um, and having travelled all around the city for work and having days where I'm, you know, had a one-to-one -one conversation with a uranium salesman in Pimble in a French restaurant um, and then with a Hazara refugee from Afghanistan in Auburn, it does feel like we live in separate cities sometimes. So Chantal is talking about the way in which Sydney is a very dispersed city. And so there's some really practical challenges about building a sense of commonality face-to-face -face because I think for me that's the insight of relational community organising is these kind of things aren't built in abstract. It's not from talking about fraternity that we build fraternity. It's by people having conversations one-to-one. -one. And trying to build an urban alliance that can cover the huge geography that, that is Sydney as well as bring people together across geographic dispersion, but also very divergent self-interest and political values is a real challenge. It's, you know, resource intensive work trying to build those connections when we've built a city where that segregation is kind of a fact of, of life. Well, I, I think what, what Chantal just said is really fascinating because I, I think Geography, you know, is one of those things that at some point we thought would become less, you know, it's going to become less relevant. 
And, and the example that comes to mind to capture, I think, the enormous inequalities of power and wealth and status that I think are running right through our cities, uh, never mind other parts of, of the country, I think is, is a place like Kensington and London. Because, you know, pe people will say, well, London is the kind of ultra-metropolitan, you know, uber-liberal, progressive, wealthy part of the UK. Well, no, of course not. The moment you go to Kensington, which, you know, the Royal Bar of Kensington and Chelsea is of, you know, one of the wealthiest areas you'd think. And yes, it is. Except you have on the one hand the, the foreign oligarchs and the millionaires and so on living in, in one part of Kensington. And in, in less than a, a two-mile radius, you have Grenfell Tower, you know, that went up in flames where, you know, nearly 80 people lost their lives. So it's not the case that, you know, there is a rich part of London here and then there's another very poor one over there. Sometimes it happens, you know, in the same space and yet as Chantal says people don't meet mm -hmm. people don't interact because they lead completely segregated lives and no political party I think anywhere that I'm aware of takes that nearly seriously enough you know they're only interesting community when it comes to elections mm -hmm. so do every you know three years here or every you know four or five years elsewhere there isn't that community engagement and that I think means people have no trust in political parties they have very little if any trust in political leaders and that I think creates such a dangerous void the Sydney Alliance is literally bringing people together across quite wide diversity to do political work. Could you tell me about how and where you do that in Sydney? So the, the where is, is you know, kind of geographic. I guess it's in our suburbs, ideally, and, and within our institutions. So the kind of we, organising that we do in the Sydney Alliance is broad-based organising, so it does work through those existing institutions of civil society. We don't organise individuals. Um, we organise uh, their unions and their churches and their mosques and their, their synagogues and their community organisations together. And so, you know, in terms of what it looks like, it looks like a group of people in a church hall. The how, I think, for me, that's the, the critical bit because I think, you know, as I said before, that ability to work across diversity doesn't happen by itself. We have a lot of things that divide us. We have a lot of people out there who are telling us we must stay divided. And so having a, a culture and a methodology of intentionally building relationships has been really critical to that work. So we uh, use a tool called a one-to-one -one relational meeting where we make sure that we uh, our leaders are getting together in pairs and telling their stories and talking about why they've come into the room and why their institutions matter to them or, or why they want to act on affordable housing. Because building that understanding and acknowledging the different interests in the room is really critical for being able to sustain working in coalition over the long haul. You're listening to City Road on 2SER 107.3 FM in Sydney. Rosie's been talking with Adrian Chantel about community organising in Sydney. And in the next part of our discussion, we move on to the importance of place, patriotism, nationalism and cultural diversity. Could you talk about the importance of place for building a strong citizen politics. I think that primacy of place is so central, I think, and it's been, again, totally neglected by politics. You know, a transactional politics that only thinks of people in terms of sort of rational utility maximizing agents doesn't capture people have affections and attachments. And these things are both emotional and rational in the wider sense. You know, they, they're just how we are as human beings. 
So it's that embodiedness. It's it's the the fact that we're embedded in in places and institutions and relationships, good or bad. So this is not to say that place is always liberating and and emancipatory. Not at all. It can it can lock you in. It can be oppressive and and, and exploitative. But it remains a reality. And if politics isn't on the most you know fundamental and profound level a reflection on reality and the conditions that people face, then it's not going to speak to them. Just the fact that a lot of people are very attached to where they live is, I think, an important thing the left should should be more aware of. So, Chantal, could you perhaps reflect on this idea of connection to place and particularly what Adrian was saying around things like patriotism? I'm one of those people who struggles with patriotism, probably because it aligns with nationalism for me. And, you know, the really practical thing is being a 14-year-old, half Filipino, half Australian, growing up in southern Sydney at the time that Pauline Hanson became the uh, public figure, talking about how there was too much Asian immigration and listening to members of a party say that people like me were, you know, in their words, a product of miscegenation. So that, you know, that experience of racism and the the exclusive kind of borders we put around country is quite real for me and real for a lot of people right and then also in my organizing you know I work with people who who are on temporary protection visas who you know have been recognized to be refugees have lived here for six years their children live here some of their children may have been born here and the state has said you will never be citizens of this country so that's a difficult you know place from which to, to think about country and, and, and patriotism. On the other hand, what I'm really hearing from what you're talking about, Adrian, is this sense of investment in place. And that to me is the difference between that and the kind of cosmopolitanism that you're talking about. I think I think of people who, you know, have grown up and probably have means or have a sense of, you know, that, that they are very mobile. And so if things become unsatisfactory in Sydney, they will find another city, mm. find another country. That I've, that grieves me because, you know, this is the city that we're in and I guess I've found through my organising that my sense of, and it sounds a bit like what you call patriotism, my sense of investment in and commitment to Sydney as a city has grown. It's a terrible city sometimes and it's a beautiful city and, and there are interesting people in it who matter and who deserve um, the kind of city that people want to live in. And I think we need a core of people who are committed to that city to be willing to transform it. Adrian, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Rosie. And enjoy the rest of your time in Australia. I will do, thank you. Thank you very much for coming in today, Chantal, and for giving up your time. And all the best with organising in Sydney going forwards. Uh, Thank you for, for having me as part of this conversation, Rosie. You've been listening to City Road Podcast on 2SCR 107.3 FM in Sydney. And if you'd like to hear more on this topic, then have a listen to our two-part special on democracy in the city with Kurt Iverson and Amanda Tattersall. Just head over to our website at cityroadpod.org. I'm Dallas Rogers. See you next time.